This is Vince McCauley. This is Coach Crayon of the Surrey Scorchers. This is Scott Melvin, CEO and co-founder of Buzz16. This is Rodney Glasgow for the Sheffield Sharks. This is Kennedy Leonard from the London Lions. And you're now listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. Enjoy the BBL Show. This is episode one of season two summer road trip here at the BBL show. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. What does the summer hold for you, Mr. Lasker? Well, it's the off season, right? I'm going to get in the film room. You know, I'm going to get in the weight room, get my weights up, you know, transform my body. That's what the off season is about. It's about getting in the lab, getting in the film room and coming back better in year two, right? So yeah, that's it for me. What about you, man? Yeah, just a busy off-season, getting ready for next season, both with the, the WBBL basketball and some updates on, on the club as a whole, the football club, trying to get ready for that season and trying to squeeze in a few trips with the family. You know, that's the, hopefully in this off-season I can get work from home a little bit more. And, you know, I'm like you. I've got to get, get in the gym a little bit more, maybe get back to running. Haven't, haven't done so much of that lately, looking after everybody else but myself. So, uh Let's see what the transformations bring in these road trip episodes. Okay, today we head to the north of England. So not the warmest start to the road trip as we visit with managing director of the Newcastle Eagles, Paul Blake. We get him to share his thoughts across the timeline of one of the most successful clubs in the BBL history. But first, it's a quiet one out there with the season just ending, but we always find something... It's the Marriott Minute. Okay, the big news of this week is the BBL will re-sign with Kappa to continue as their apparel sponsor. Personally, I'm delighted as I've enjoyed working with Jason and Gareth. Um, so looking forward to another season with the Kappa gear. Summer vibes are out there as Duke Hoops gives us some footage of the Hootsfix Footlocker collab, Clapham Common outdoor courts being used above the rim style for those old enough to remember that movie talking of hoops fix they will be hosting their very first ncaa verified pro am so check out their socials for the men and women's entries i'm really looking forward to seeing this and see what players head down to the big smoke And then let's finish with Josh Steele. If you aren't following his YouTube, you should be. He ranks the BBO jerseys in a very funny and entertaining way. Check it out to see who the winner is. And and even the loser. No spoilers from me, though. But, Rachel, you're going to have to close your eyes, I'm afraid. Sorry. And that's this week's Marriott Minute. I'm always watching. And too right as well. He was spot on with that. Shout out to Josh Steele. But, Jay, I am very impressed, man. I was really concerned about your Marriott Minute this week because as I scoped the social media channels of Twitter, Facebook, Crickets. and Instagram, it's like tumbleweeds like going down in the wind, man. It's dry out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone needs a break right i think <laughs> oh man it's like the season stopped and everyone was like pew everyone just went their separate ways and it's been nothing out there everyone just got ghosts so shout out for you for digging deep man i know you had to dig deep for that one. <laughs> oh man but that's what we do here on the bbl show but you know as jay mentioned at the top we're into season two episode one of the summer road trip and like we say, during these episodes, we'll be thinking outside the box, bringing you guests um, as we have a lot of flexibility now. Now it's the off season, So we will be here to fill your needs. I know people have been looking out there wanting content, hunting content, and we got you. Jay and I, we got you. And so during this spot where we normally have hot topics, we're going to cover a lot of topics. Jay and I are going to put on our GM hats. We're going to go and fix every team and talk about their needs and all the exciting things we have to talk about. What else are we going to touch on, Jay? There's a lot of things to get excited about, right? Personally, I'm looking forward to seeing what London do and whether that's going to be, we, we talk about it today with Paul, you know, is it going to be a, a, a cultural change and a, and, a, and a whole change or is it going to be small pieces? Looking forward to that. What do the Leicester riders do now? They want it all, you know, near enough all anyway. And so the next step seems like Europe. So that would be pretty fun. And also as well, like, let's not forget our, our Plymouth and uh, 
looking for a new venue. So, you know, lot, lots of things going on, guys. I'm looking forward to covering it. Yeah, it will be a fun summer. And just remember the same as last year. Jay and I schedules it all over the place as I'll be in America and Jay <laughs> be back and forth up and down the country. So we'll get a lot of coffee shops again when we give it to you. So we can't promise a set day, but we trust me, it'll be a weekly cadence. That's the only thing we can promise. But let's get into our first number one star guest of season two, episode one of the road trip. And that's Paul Blake. But before we do, let's let's educate you with a great piece from Josh Betts, who gives you a history lesson on the Newcastle Eagles. So it's 2015 and the Newcastle Eagles are about to win their third ever quadruple. Yeah, you heard me. Not treble. Quadruple. We need to go back and find out how they became the most successful team in the history of British basketball. So let's go on a journey. Before there was the Newcastle Eagles, in the 70s, a team was made just south in the city of Washington. Trying to find information about EPAB Washington wasn't easy. So I did the next best thing and decided to email uh, Thorosaurus. Hey dad, do you know anything about EPAB Washington? Love, Josh. So Mickey got in contact with a guy called Thomas Woodring, who used to play for EPAB Washington, and the team apparently was owned by a guy called Colin Bentley and was able to secure the sponsorship so they could play at a venue owned by Sunderland AFC. He also said that they also played a big game against the Embassy All-Stars from Milton Keynes, and apparently it attracted the largest crowd in British basketball history with 1,800 spectators. But then decided to move a little further out east to the city of Sunderland. Wait a minute. Newcastle, Sunderland? Okay, we need to reflect on this because if the foundations for the Newcastle Eagles began in the town of Sunderland, then you should know that the two cities are rivals. One being Tyneside and the other one being Westside. Now, first of all, Newcastle. Fantastic place. If you've never been, you must go. The people there are known as Geordies. Geordies are so passionate. They've got a great football team. They've got great nightlife. Anything you want to do in Newcastle, you can do. It's just that great a place. Sunderland, on the other hand, they're known as Mackens. Their football team is in League One. I think you get the point that Mackens and Geordies don't necessarily see eye to eye. There's also a language. Culturally, this place is amazing. Last night, I went tattoo. Me like watching them Bobby Dazzlers and Newcastle Eagles. TJ Walker went doing that court, making a cracking dunk. Get while I mean, like Jeremy Ayer was gun doing a lap the court with a basketball, taking a three pointer. Add the way Bobby Dazzler him like ah Ralph Blaylock. There's a Bobby Dazzler class. Get canny him like. Okay, so if we go back in time, essentially the story begins here in the city of Sunderland. But the team did have like a hundred different names. Okay, okay, okay. That's a bit of an exaggeration, a hundred different names. But in 19 years, there was a basketball team in Sunderland. They did have nine different names. Now, again, that's a lot of names to remember off by heart. So we're going to have to look this one up. So they started off as EPAB Washington, Sunderland Sunbless, Sunderland Saints, Austin Rovers, Sunderland, Sunderland Maestros. <gasps> Just Sunderland, Sunderland 76ers, Sunderland Saints again. And the final name that they had was Sunderland Scorpions. But we're going to look at the seasons 1990 and 1991. But Sunderland also have their little man, Russell Saunders. There he is. He made 34 points. And 20 points per game and 40% from the treble line. Are you serious? Nine, Sunderland. Three points, Russell Saunders. Super shot from the outside. Leading his team, eight points for Russell Saunders. 14 points to nine, Sunderland in the lead. There it is, look at the distance. Beautiful shot. And then there's Clyde Vaughan. 27 points per game and also 40% from the three-point line. Wow. Griffiths had virtually an open shot. Well, that was a fine two points. That'll please Sunderland. That's what he couldn't do in the semi-final. They also had this American coach called Coach Craig Lynch. Now, Coach Craig Lynch only coached two teams. Well, one team if you think about it. Sunderland in the early 90s, late 80s, and then the Newcastle Eagles, which they went to be in the late 90s on the dawn of 2000. Now, great coach, but what are his accolades as a player? Originally from Toledo, Ohio, played at Furman University. Now, Played in the British Basketball League for Bracknell, Stoke, Hamill, Bolton, Warrington, and Stockport. And as a player, career average, 19 points per game. 
wow, this Sunderland team seems stacked. The guys on the floor is what I'm talking about. Show some leadership and get something going out there. Man. Everybody knows. Come on. Come on. Hard work. Hard work. They had some great British players as well, like Steve Bucknell, who played for the LA Lakers and also played for the University of North Carolina. And they also had Steve Nelson. He's the father of the great Britain point guard, Luke Nelson. But my favorite British player was this guy, Pete Scannerbury. Why is he my favorite? Well, he's kind of my godfather. So basketball in Sunderland seems to be a success, right? The following year, they won a trophy. But the next three years, they had a bit of a bad habit of finishing in the bottom four. And then in 1995, they finished rock bottom of the league. So what do you do? That's exactly what they did. They went to the tune. So the basketball team that once existed in Sunderland is now purchased by the then owner of Newcastle United, chairman Sir John Hall. He had this idea that it was great to have many sport teams, ice hockey, rugby, basketball. They were known as the Newcastle Comets. Yeah, it doesn't really sound cool, does it? But the savior, and this is where the birth of the dynasty begins. A man by the name of Paul Blake, who's the current chairman of the British Basketball League, purchased the team, and in 1996 was the beginning of the Newcastle Eagles. I love that logo so much. So life started pretty well for the Newcastle Eagles in the British Basketball League during the late 90s and early 2000s. They moved into the Newcastle Metro Arena that held 7,500 seats. And apparently in 2006, in a game against the Birmingham Bullets, they had to turn away 1,000 fans. Okay, so life's going pretty well for the Newcastle Eagles. They've had some pretty good players. They've had some pretty good coaches. But in 2001, something was about to happen to them that would change the face of the franchise for years to come. And without using all these silly cliches or being too over the top or too dramatic, the best way to put it is it was the coming of the Newcastle Eagles' messiah. And he's fabulous for Noy. But just who is fabulous for Noy? Well, originally from New York City and after his last season at McNeese State, the man signed with the Birmingham Bullets in the British Basketball League. He won two postseason playoff championships with the Bullets. And after that, he went to rival Sheffield Sharks where he was a BBL champion of the Northern Division. So the guy knows nothing but winning, I guess. Great, the Messiah is here. Now it's time for the rest of the Avengers to assemble. So remember they had TJ Walker and they had a very young Andrew Sullivan who just came out of Villanova and would later go on to be a 2012 Olympic player for Great Britain. But there was another player that would also change the face of the Eagles franchise and that was this guy. Smith. Straight away. A response from Charles Smith. Opening two for him. After an MVP performance by Charles Smith at the Brighton Center against the Brighton Bears in the BBL Trophy Final, the Newcastle Eagles and Fabus Fenoy picked up their first trophy. But it wasn't over there that season, and those fans would have more to cheer about. The top two sides in the BBL go head-to-head for the ultimate prize in the domestic game. You know, it comes down to one game, a battle within the rating system of who's the best, arguably best basketball team for this season. The following year would be the first of many great years for the Newcastle Eagles because, again, they won the BBL trophy, but they also won the BBL Cup. They also finished top of the BBL, and to no surprise, they won the BBL Playoff Championship. They had completed a quadruple. And when Fab Flanoy was announced by Mike Schaaf to come out and collect the trophy at the championship, he actually did a great thing and allowed TJ Walker, who was a fan favorite, to go out because it was actually TJ's last game for the club. The 2011-12 season, another big year for the club. Let's take a look. They won the BBL Cup trophy and finished top of the league. Oh, and by the way, they also won the playoff championship. Again, second quadruple for the Newcastle Eagles. 2014-15, another big year for the club. Well, they won the BBL Cup. They won the BBL Trophy. They finished top of the league. 
And well, guess what? We're right back where we started at the beginning of this video. It's 2015, we're at the O2 Arena, and the Newcastle Eagles are seconds away from winning the BBL Playoff Championship and their third quadruple in BBL history. And that's the story of how the Newcastle Eagles became the greatest basketball franchise in the history of the British Basketball League. And after years of commitment and dedication to the Newcastle Eagles franchise, it is amazing now that Fabulous Fenoid is now an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors in the NBA. And Fabulous, best of luck to you. You really have changed the game here in the United Kingdom. And let's hope one day we'll see you with an NBA championship. Yeah, thanks for that, Josh. That was a great piece. Just keep working on that Geordie accent. But that is your Alaska look back. Man, great look back as always. Let's get him in the room. It's managing director of the Newcastle Eagles, Paul Blake. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? Great, you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Good as always. It's a pleasure to have you in, Paul. We know how, well, I know how busy you are. So to get on your calendar, is, it's a pleasure. So thanks for coming no on today. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to tie you down is great. So let's let's take advantage of it. So with a little bit of time to reflect, you know, from a league perspective, let's start there. How have you found this season, you know, and culminating in a great playoff final at the O2 as well? Um, for the league, uh, I think it's been another very big step forward, particularly with the, um, you know, the, the final in January, March, and, and obviously the record-breaking event uh, a couple, week ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um <laughs> But for us as a club, obviously not so good. Um, that's fair to say. Uh, you know, I've been saying to everyone, it's a, a one in 20 year episode for us. So um, hopefully we don't repeat it again until um, 2042. And speaking of the season that we had over at Newcastle Eagles, there was a change within the leadership position. Obviously, Mark Studo has been brought in. Ian McLeod stepped down. Just talk to us a little bit about what those conversations were from his perspective on why he felt like the time was right, and maybe from your side as well of what you saw that maybe needed a little bit of change. I think, um, obviously, it's been a, a very difficult season for all of us. There's been so much going on off-court, um, problems, uh, you know, Essentially, on off, on and off the court, uh, that that were not foreseeable at the start of the season. Um, I think it's it's paid a toll um, on Ian this year. Uh, unfortunately, you know he's 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 uh, um, had a had a tough season as a result. Um, and I think he's you know we sat down and he just came to a conclusion that uh, with opportunities off the court, there's a lot of um, a lot of growth going on within our organisation that. Um, there might be an opportunity there and I suppose you know when you when you end up in the position that we've ended up in in the league then um, you know the supporters ask um, and, and want to see change often in these situations and uh, I think that's what took us to that to that position you can look at the whys and the wherefores um, you know we we had our fair share of injuries, um, our fair share of COVID, um, but ultimately, you know, all clubs go through hard times during a season, and uh, you know, we as a an organisation um, ultimately can't miss the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. Kind of one thing that I'm learning in the business sport is, you know, you you need to be flexible. So, you know, you've made made this decision. You're going in this direction with Coach Stuell. What do you feel that he's going to bring to the role, and why do you think it's the right time now? I think again, it's a it's an opportunity to change things up a little bit. Um, again, as happens in all in all team sports, when the results aren't going your way, you need to do something to to freshen up. You know, and it, it's, it's does that mean a change of coach, change of players? Uh, new sort of uh, direction off the court as well, um, helping to build the team that already exists, you know, so Ian will still be in that team. Um, and Mark's a, an unbelievable addition uh, to have to our organisation and, and, and somebody that, like Ian has been around the club for, you know, nearly 20 years. So and I think that's important to me that we keep good people around the organisation as we're still, you know, trying to build uh, what we're doing. So, obviously, what Mark brings to the table is um, his his GB experience, 
he also brings to the table some some off off court experience as well in terms of relationships with FE colleges. He's been working in in FE with a uh, you know a number of organisations in the region for a number of years um, to a very very high level. Uh, so we think that that can be helping us too. Um, uh, and obviously, he's a really inspiring guy. You know, anyone that knows him will tell uh, will tell you that. Um, and uh, I just think that all, um, you know, leads us in a good direction. Yeah, and one thing that we know that Mark will bring is, as you mentioned, Paul, is that, that passion. I got an opportunity to play for him in 2015 on the Bucks team at Northumbria. And um, he obviously knows his X's and O's, but he just oozes with passion. And just provide some context for the supporters because we know how spoiled the Newcastle Eagles fans have been with over the success that the club has had the past 20 years. And we see with it, you know, more so than ever now with social media, they, they have a voice now, whereas 10 years ago, they probably didn't. So what would you say for them? Because is it a situation where he needs to come in and win now and clean this thing up as from day one, or is it just be patient? Let's hit the reset button. Let's look at the entire organization and let's start fresh. It's a very good question, Drew. It's, it is a reset, um, and, and in fairness to Ian, um, it wasn't a reset because Ian, Ian came into the role very quickly. You know, we we had an inkling that Fab was was uh, was was going to Toronto, but um, the way the way it played out across that summer was that maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not, and then suddenly on a Friday night, three days before the players landed, it was yeah, it's on. So. And there's no way we were ever going to stand in the way of of, 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 of taking that move. So, um, so it wasn't a reset at that point um, because the, the team had already been recruited for that season. I think where we are now, and as you, you guys know, we've been going through a, a, a level of transition now for a number of years in terms of the the trophy team, including Drew, of course. Um, you know the team that, that that rolled and rolled and rolled, and, and, and in some senses is still continuing to roll. You know, I think it's only what three seasons that we haven't won a trophy in the last eighteen. Um, sure, I'll be corrected if I'm one year out there. But um, so, so I think we have just at this point now where you look at it and you think, right, well, actually, from that very first team, it literally is only Darius now, and. Uh, now, now is time to sort, sort of look at right. Okay, let, let's legitimately look at the next fifteen to twenty years and, and what we need to do and what we did the first time round to get on that that freight train, if you like. Um, so, what take some learnings from that um, and, and, and start all over again, really? I think, and I think that's where we are. We can't have you in the room and not talk about Fab. He's already kind of come up in the, in that conversation and. Um, what did you see in him to bring him to the Eagles? And, and, and being honest, did you see him becoming a Hall of Fame coach? Or was there a moment in that timeline where you just knew you had a special coach on your hands? So if you look back, Mark is, is my fifth coach. And, uh, you know, prior to Fab, uh, Tony Garbaletto was, was the first coach that I legitimately hired. Uh, Craig Lynch was, was actually my first coach in taking the club over. Tony was, was second in. And at the time, I wanted to, you know, wanted to give Tony an opportunity because because he was super, super keen um, uh, to get a, you know, a, a head coach role in the UK as a British coach. Um, and for all intents and purposes, that went that went really well. So we, we parted company because Tony had an opportunity at Birmingham that he wanted to take. That left me in a position where, um, you know, again, I was looking at, right, what, what, what do I do in this situation? And, um, you know, I'd got to know Fab as a player at, at the club over that previous season. And, um, you know, there's just something about Fab. Uh, okay, no, no coaching experience, um, but just a, an energy about him, um, a knowledge of the game, uh, an intensity, um, you know the sort of intensity that I'd, I'd seen with with, with Finchy and I'd seen with Nick uh, over the years, um, and I just I just felt he had that about him. And um, you know, in these situations, it's it's 
you never know how it's going to play out, do you? It's, it's sport. Um, some things work, some things don't. And, uh, you know, fortunately for us, uh, particularly in a player coach role, which was, you know, a very difficult thing to me, for me to ask him to do, um, but then just went on and on and on. Um, he obviously didn't want to give up playing. Um, just was, fortunately for me, the right decision. I mean, like you mentioned, Paul, that is something that you can't predict. No one could foresee the success that he would follow as player coach. We have to remember that. And I'm always, to this day, getting a chance to see Gareth Murray up close. I don't see how Fat was able to do it for so long at such a high level. And um, it's just really amazing. And I'm proud to have gotten an opportunity to be coached by him and to just be in his presence. And, you know, Many of the fans, they don't really know the story behind the Toronto move. And just talk to us a little bit about the first time Fab approached you about the opportunity. I think it was probably Dave. <laughs> I think Dave mentioned it to me first because uh, I think Fab was a bit a bit nervous about um, even mentioning it, you know. And I, I don't think – and obviously with Fab as well, you've got to remember the most important thing to Fab is playing. Still now, he's playing, you know. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and, and legitimately he, he thinks he could have played till he was 50, and I agree. I think he probably could. He's still, he's still running with the, uh, the Raptors guys now, you know. Um, I was over there uh, just over a month ago and, um, you know, he looks no different to what he ever did, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, when the conversation started... Um, it was uh, nothing more than, quite frankly, you know, absolutely brilliant. This is this is this is you, Fab. You know, you've got to do this. This is your your destiny. Um, Dave was exactly exactly the same as me in, in his view. Uh, so it was actually probably more of a situation of us persuading Fab that it was the right thing to do, and Fab persuading us. But that's if you know Fab, that's. That's the mark of the guy, you know. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us saying this. Um, you know, he still sees Newcastle as his home. Um, wants to wants to come back at some point. Um, uh, who knows what the future will bring? Um, but as it stands right now, you know, he's he's really embedded into that culture there at the Raptors. Now you can see that. You know, if you take a visit, you can see that clear as day. Um, he's built a reputation as a player development coach, working closely with Pascal and Fred, OG, um, and, and more recently Precious, Matura. Um, and uh, the guys, the, the guys love him. You know, you can just see that having having a couple of brief conversations with the guys when we were there. Um, and uh, he needs to he needs to take that journey and continue that journey for for now. I believe you know. Um, which, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's saying this is about you after all. And, and, and obviously here we're always picking up new listeners. So there, there may be people out there that might know you by the title, but might not know you as the individual. So, so give us a little background on yourself, you know, life before Eagles, life during Eagles. Uh, okay. So I'm not from Newcastle, as you can tell, I'm from Bristol. Um, and uh, I moved up to, to Newcastle as a, a student way back in 1989. Uh, played basketball, played, played university basketball, played a bit of National League, um, and uh, got into the, um, the Eagles ultimately via Newcastle United. I was um, marketing manager for Newcastle United Sporting Club, which was the Falcons rugby, uh, Eagles basketball, and uh, Cobra's ice hockey. Um, we ran that uh, organization for, or was involved in that organization for just short of three years, um, at which point the, uh, the, the football club um, decided to pull out of the three teams. Um, gave me and my boss, uh, a chap called Ken Nottage, who um, you know is a long time BBL English basketball legend, um, played for Sunderland, played for um, Embassy All-Stars, way, way back in the day, Crystal Palace, etc. Um, gave Ken the ultimate job of selling the three teams. Um, and uh, Ken and I worked, worked that summer to try and find buyers and decided 
at the back end of that summer to put a management buyout uh, together for the the basketball team, which we bought for a pound. And the Falcons was bought for a pound, and the ice hockey uh, actually made its way back to the um, Elite League um, without a buyer, interestingly. Uh, but it, that, that continues. So, so obviously, the, uh, the rugby and the basketball still continue today. Um, you know, we took that organisation over in 99. So we had a, a good five-year bill phase, five-year, six-year bill phase before we won our first trophy. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously going through the 99 history to today, we've, we've, you know, reached a lot of goals, including building the building, winning 27 trophies, uh, uh, building a, probably most importantly out of anything, uh, setting up the foundation and building a, you know, huge community program, um, which, you know, has, has helped to build a, a real solid market for the sport in in Dynamoir. Um and uh, you know to keep that going. It's amazing, and you won't brag, but I'll brag for you. And that's that CVL league that we have here mm. in Newcastle, which currently sits at about eighteen hundred. And um, you know, with Ian McLeod in his new position, looking to push that program forward and. For the Alaska look back, we had Josh Betts on his piece that he did, just giving a little history lesson of the Newcastle Eagles going way, way back. And just to see how far the club has come. And, and, and for the fans or new fans, it wasn't always peaches and cream. And it was a lot of adversity at the beginning. But just give us some perception on the branding today. Where's the Newcastle Eagles locally and nationally from your perspective? It's always hard to answer that question from, in, from inside. Um, because you never really get a perspective. Uh, I think, I think most importantly locally, uh, we, we're very much um, entrenched in the sort of Newcastle sport culture now. I would say, you know, no, no one's ever going to be as big as Newcastle United. Um, there's lots of good things happening there at the moment, but we're definitely within the city scene uh, and in and in the conversation with football, rugby basketball, you know, and that's where I always wanted it to be. That wasn't the case um, when we started out, of course. It was uh, a long way from that. Um, you know, we get we get solid press coverage, we get solid TV, local TV coverage. You know, we're in we're in the conversation and uh, and if people don't necessarily know about basketball, they definitely know that we're the most successful team in the region um, by a long way. Uh, they know where we play uh, and, and the, the building has hugely helped that, of course, and, and the, lo- the location of the building on Scottsford Road leading, leading up to the football ground, that, that helps too. Uh, I think the fact that we were a vaccination centre for nine months and 120,000 people came through the building also helps. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think locally we've, we've sort of um, got to that I'm going to say got to that base where I always hoped we'd get to. Uh, I think we can kick on from there now. Nationally, nationally is uh, within the basketball community. I'd hope that we're um, looked at positively and uh, you know are seen as a, a a great benchmark and good case study of of what you can achieve on and off the court. And uh, you know from grassroots up, uh, I think our pyramid system still has has a way to go, but the base clearly is, is enormous and uh, you know can just take a little bit of time to talk about this the 1,800 young young people that are playing in the 11 clubs that we we operate um, all have waiting lists uh, we need more clubs uh, we, we need more hours of time within the the clubs that we've got the biggest club of those that of the 11 is has 260 members um, just to, just to give a you know, an example of what's going on. Uh, I think that that 1,800 could be two and a half to 3,000 in the next um, 12 months, without question. We, we all agree that internally. Um, as usual, as it is across all of our sport, um, the only thing that's really stopping that is primarily uh, coach recruitment, uh, which we, we have over the years done a really good job of. and. The, the, the turnover of coaches within the organisation is always fluid. 
it's continually moving. Uh, we need to build our base back up again. Um, and uh, and I think equally, uh, which is which is where Ian comes back in again now, is that transition from uh, participation base to academy to to talent. Uh, we still have some work to do there. Uh, although I think you know this year our academy teams uh, have, have had the most successful year they've had. Four teams came if in the country, which I think is the highest we've ever achieved. Um, so some exciting times there, and some exciting young players coming through. And obviously, our our, our, our poster guy at the minute is is Tosan uh, at, uh, at Princeton, and um, just a great, great. I was going to say great kid. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> super coachable, um, intelligent kid, uh, guy, <laughs> and uh, you know, just just got a great upside. And I, I think you know. We're hoping that we see uh, on, on the men's side more like Tosan and obviously on the women's side as well, the, the same thing happening. So uh, um, very important to me. The community pitch is very important to me. And as everybody knows, the participation picture for me is, has been an absolute priority for a very long time now. And I think if as a sport, we all understand that and get to grips with the fact that our participation base at club level needs improving, and is the only way for us to be a true mass participation sport. If we all get to grips with that, then this this sport will be a mass participation sport in this country, no question, on a radar as opposed to Sport England figures alone. You're preaching to the converted with that. I mean, I'm so on board with it. It's unbelievable. And those are the conversations I have locally up here in Gloucester and something we want to push from that perspective if if we kind of dial it back to the league itself looking at the bbl with the the investment i want to touch a little bit uh, on the the 777 and obviously the impact that sky sports has enabled us to have you know obviously means we have to see mr lasker a little bit more than we want during the week but you know i i, I can live with that but um you know what, what do you think the impact of that is going to have and then how do we translate that then back into the community also? You know, I've, I've always said here, especially, we need to look at the pro team as, as a little bit of a beacon of light, not the be all and end all of everything. You know, we need to work it back into the foundations. Yeah, so the, so the, the, pro, the pro team is, is the, um, the organisation that gives the sport a bit of profile regionally. Um, you know, in all, all the channels that that I've spoken about before, radio, press, TV, etc., um, And just to get that word of mouth going, and also directly by school visits, et cetera, which, which we all do, you know. Um, uh, but it's, it's a long journey, you know. It's a long journey to, to actually put the bits and pieces in place that you need to put in place to build, to build grassroots up. And it takes time and hard work and an ability to try to help to build an infrastructure. And it's taken us 20 years, you know, and we're still going. Like we say, this is this is a new era for the Newcastle Eagles. And, um, you know, to wrap up this show, we're going to put you on a little bit of pressure because we know that you're the managing director there and it, you, you usually stay out of the way when it comes to GM duties. But today I want you to put your GM hat on. Obviously, there's been so many great players and great teams that's come along the past 20 years. So, Paul, you got to win a game. I need you to pick the five players you want on the court that you're going to battle with that's going to get your team across the line. <laughs> and it don't have to be positions. You could be, you could play it by positions, or you could just go positionless. Go who, who, so, so a new team uh, to sign, you mean? Yeah, but it has to oh, be Oh, former Eagles players. players. Oh, yep. no, that's unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> I'm get some grief of it. We gotta put you on a surprise. Oh, I know it's so hard because yeah. it's been so many great plays. But you only—I love this. This is where media comes alive as well when they see this. Ah, <laughs> oh. and somebody and, and the Twitter—they'll get—they'll get off Jay and I's back for a week. <laughs> yeah, that's why we do these things. Okay, so so right, right. I'm not, I'm not good on the hop like this, so uh, I need time to think about stuff like this. But I tell you what, um, to make this simple, I'm going to do it by trophies. Because that's fair. Right. That's fair. Okay. So obviously, Darius okay. is, is okay. locking, isn't he? With, okay, with that's 27 fair. trophies. So he's, Boom. Center done. Locked he, him in. Yeah, he, he would uh, he would be very upset with me if I didn't do that. So uh, now it gets a bit more difficult now. Yes, he would. Gets a bit he more took difficult. Darius out because he knows that Darius will be the one that would. <laughs> 
he would voice his opinions. Because he still has okay, to see um, him. Because he still has to see him. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Okay, I'm going to put... I'm, I'm going to go with the four next. And, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say Scott Martin. Oh, nice pick. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. That is um, great. And, and, and huge apologies to anyone that I've, um, I've, I've missed out there. Huge apologies to... Uh, I will not name names. Okay, at the three, we've had a lot of movement with with, with threes over the years. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna come back to that one in a minute. Twos, we've had a we've had a procession of, of very very talented twos over the years, and the ones that's oh, this is tough. Jeremy Hyatt, um, probably been the most. Yeah, yeah shooting guys tough. Jeremy Hyatt, Trey Moore, Joe Chapman. Andre Jones. Well, Andre was, Andre was, I mean, Andre's a whole story in his own right. We would have loved to have uh, had, had Andre back, but his career just, you know, skyrocketed. I'm going to say, um, because we're talking a lot at the minute, I'm going to say Joe Chapman. I like that pick. Someone you can yeah. throw the ball in the post when you need to slow oh, I the loved game him. down and has unlimited I'll tell, tell you the real reason. And play real reason well. is he put his body on the line. He would be, you know, I remember a game where he, he, he um, dislocated his shoulder. We snapped it back in and three minutes later, he was back on the court. ACL, uh, sorry, he had ACLs. He, he, he did his um, Achilles, like Fab did, came back, you know, and, and would, all, would always put his body on the line. And I'm, I'm really, really high on, on everything he's doing now at the moment as well, uh, you know, with, with his, his academy and space. So, um you, you know which one I'm leaving to last, of course. So back back to three. Um, this is this is tough. You could put anybody in a three spot. We've had a lot of versatile players. Yeah, in the past. we have. We have. We have. So many players have squeezed into that three. So we got Joe Chapman at the two. I tell, tell you who I'm going to throw in there, and this is this is uh, this is going to um, possibly upset some people. <laughs> I'm going to put I'm going to put Drew Sullivan in there. Yeah, because he's a winner. Whether it was with us or Leicester or anywhere, and there's a reflection of where I think you know we need to be going as a team. He he believed in playing D. You know, along with everything else that came, and he was just just a yeah hit clutch shots, um, helped to get us on the roll. We're winning trophies in the first place. Hmm. And you look back at some of those games as well, some of those finals, 2005, 6, 7. He was outstanding. So, uh, yeah, so we'll put Drew in. Now, that leaves me with a point guard, which is, <laughs> this is entirely unfair. Ramon, <laughs> Trey Moore, TJ Walker. TJ, Reggie, Paul Gorse, Fletch, of course. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a battle of two, really. Okay, they've both got to play, I'm afraid. I can't pick between the two. It's not fair. <laughs> okay. DJ started the, you know, DJ started the whole, as Fab would call it, dynasty, and, 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 and Fletcher's has ultimately, you know, kept it going. I, I can't even tell you who's won the most trophies out of the two of them. I think Fletch maybe now by a, by a short margin. Yeah, I think Fletch has nine, I believe, or T- yeah, he has nine. TJ must have had at least six, seven. So, uh, yeah, I, am not yeah, I think Fletch just. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not picking between those two because they both mean a great deal to me. Oh, that, that is really tough, though, especially when you start getting down to that, like the yeah. one and two, like, wow. And even, even Some... you know, Reggie Jackson probably was our next successful, I'm going to say. Uh, took took some time to find Reggie for that period. Um, he was he was a super player. Explosive. Now I'm thinking about this. We need to call a bit of a time out here because uh, I'm starting to uh, my brain's ticking in here. And in all honesty, you know, we could be calling a a, a starting five at least four times over uh, across that period. And and there's people I don't want, I really don't want to miss out. Um, Partly because of their longevity with the team uh, and their success, uh, and it would just be wrong for me uh, not to extend the five, make it a, make it a ten. Um, you know, the likes of Bridgie, uh, Andrew Bridge, who was uh, you know with us for the best part of a decade, um, serial winner with that 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 early winning team. Uh, 
didn't mention Fab because I always think of Fab as a coach first, but but actually, you know, there was a guy that played one to five um, on any on any given night, offensively and defensively, threw the team on the back of his shoulders when we needed it. Um, you go back to the early days with uh, with TJ Jeremy Hyatt, um, you know, one of the best three point shooters we've we've ever had in this league. Um, Linhardt, I didn't mention who, who's in our Hall of Fame, Linhardt Stewart, because I mentioned Darius first. Um, I mean, Linhardt's very, very close to the club and still talk today. And he just goes on. Andy Thompson, uh, Trey Moore. Um, you know, at one point in, in the league, uh, I think uh, that season, he uh, had the highest three throw percentage or top three in the world at one point. Um, he was he was close to 100 free throws in a row. Um, just incredible, you know. So so many so many different players that, that had longevity and won a lot of trophies with the club. Um, so many good times, uh, and and at some point, uh, I want to be uh, looking at a, a legends game uh, at the new venue. We've been talking about doing that for a while. Obviously, um, COVID. Um, halted uh, our, our early plans on that, but there will be a point when we uh, look to bring uh, everyone I've named there and, and, and more back for a, um, a great get-together. And of course, obviously, Drew coming off the bench, uh, yourself. Can't forget you. Oh, well, of course, he has to, of course, he has to make me feel good. <laughs> just, just give me a give little, little props. Let, let, let's finish, actually, with just a little focus on, on, on Drew. What, what have you been thinking about his, uh, his transition, obviously, from retiring into the media? You know, I spoke about it last week and just said it, it's, it's phenomenal, to be honest. You know, it's taken me a number of years to kind of transition into really finding myself. And he, he, he's found his feet pretty quickly. You know, if he, if he is missing playing, he hides it pretty well. And I'm not just talking about in the media behind the scenes he does a pretty good job because I do ask him that question from time to time what have you thought of his his first year out of the playing jersey uh, I think it's been great I think he's done a great job Drew you know it's uh, very very hard to retire from, from the game and uh, I think you've just, you've just jumped into your, your new roles more than one um, you know in, in, in great fashion you are, you are a natural speaker um, like Fab you know uh, inspiring guy, and uh, you know you've taken to to what you're doing like a like a duck to water. It's it's, it's great to see you doing it, um, and particularly in the coaching roles as well. Behind the scenes, you know, for me, it's all about it's all about having great people in our organisation, and we need to make sure that we're retaining uh, talent like yourself as much as we possibly can. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Paul. But, um, yeah, I just want to say as we wrap this thing up, just appreciate you. I, I mean, I've said it from the very beginning. I don't know an owner in the league that's more open than yourself. And I've had multiple owners in my career, and usually um, you can't come to them with everything. But I know with you, anything that you want to know, there hasn't been anything that myself or anything I've heard from any other player that you tried to hide. Very open from the business side, from the day-to-day -day operations, and um, that is uh, unique. And um, just from my standpoint, I just appreciate the opportunity coming up to Newcastle in 2013 for full-time. I had a little spurt in 11, but it totally changed my career. Um, and the reason why I wanted to come up here is because the prestige that Newcastle Eagles had, and that was winning. I understood at that point that winning carries you a long way post-career, more so than stats, and so... Um, it's been a great ride during my playing days. And then afterwards, I mean, you've just been really great. All the conversations we have, you've given me the room to kind of be flexible and kind of figure out what the next stage is. And so I'm really grateful and uh, really appreciate that. No problem at all. By the way, I want to add one more player. <laughs> Go up. On a Monday he morning. Girl Smith. Yeah, I was. I, I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, <laughs> before it wraps up, Charles Smith. I will never forget. Sorry, guys. I will never forget the Plymouth final. Oh, it, I don't think any of us will. I was just about to say, like, quick story from my perspective is that first half was 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 almost like in fan mode. You know, I was just watching it, thinking, I've watched. Wow. I've watched that first yeah. half back. And not bother with the second half, like, but I've watched the first half back. 
a lot of times and I, I there haven't been many performances like that in this league if any and for, for it to be in a final um, was outstanding so sorry Chuck I, I, I should have I should have uh, that's, that's the easy way to, to get another two players in the five <laughs> yeah yeah that's it yeah yeah always, always stretch it out but yeah. No, I think I think those are great picks and, and thoroughly unfair of Mr. Lasker to go with that at the end because uh, that that put you on the spot. But we we appreciate your time, like um, you know, from somebody that's trying to transition into the the business side of sport. You know, like I, I massively respect you. Love picking your brain. Love listening to you in the meetings. Um, you know, I just try to take those things in. So just to get that little bit of time for the listeners, I think is really important. So thanks for your time, Paul, and we'll we'll let you get back to the the, the meeting life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I really appreciate it. Good to talk. <laughs> Thanks for Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Wow, pretty good guest to start off the summer road trip. Kind of a cold area to start off with, but uh, great insight from one of the greats of the game. You know, I think he's one of the great characters, like Drew said there in the interview. Very, very honest. You can go to him with anything. Uh, you know, I really appreciate the fact he picks up the phone to me a couple of times and helps me on my journey at the minute. So thank you very much. And yeah, we're, we're, we're going to work our hardest to get some great guests in here and obviously keep you guys in the loop. You know, there's going to be some big news happening, getting ready for another great BBL season. So uh, over to you, Drew. Like we said, season two of the summer road trip. And just remember, guys, these are just little pit stops. And uh, with it being the off season, we have a lot of flexibility on our guests. So, you know, sometimes we'll think outside the box, but we just want to be informal, educational and fun as well. And just, you know, keeping you ticking over, because I think you would agree, Jay, this past week, it's been dry out there on the social channels, hasn't it? Oh, quiet, quiet. I've had to work hard, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, we will catch you guys. I know we got a couple of messages from people saying see you in September, but we will be here every week, baby. You can catch me and Jay here bringing it to you. Same time, same place here on the show. The show. Thanks for listening to the BBL show. The BBL show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.